1: In conclusion, the only movie podcast about Paul Wolfowitz and the failures of the Iraq War. I'm sorry, I got my notes confused. I'm Dan O'Keefe, and joining me as always is Anna Otto. How are you, Anna?
2: Feeling a little sad that you didn't say the only podcast where it's one of our birthdays, but that's fine.
1: It is, happy birthday, it's your birthday, Anna. Thank you,
2: I'm a Leo, you need to address that.
1: I'm sorry, I forgot that you are a DiCaprio. Uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, it is your sixteenth birthday. You finally yep, got your again. driver's license again. Uh, very g- congratulations to you. Honestly, uh,
2: thank you. It took a long time to get here.
1: Good birthday. Anything fun? Any do anything fun? Get anything fun?
2: In this moment, I just realized that my sixteenth birthday was ten years ago, and that made me feel kind of old. Um. <laughs> Other than that, it's been pretty chill. I, you know, mm, went to work, Mm -hmm. went to dinner. It was a Wednesday night, but I also, uh, my parents bought me, I've been begging and begging my parents to buy me a massage, and they did it, and I'm so excited.
1: Now, I'm very happy that they bought you a massage, but Mm -hmm. if they really loved you, they would have just given you a massage.
2: No, I would have turned them away. Partially because, this isn't as funny, but I got stung by a bee on the back this weekend. Ow! It flew into the car that I was in, and I was wearing, like, a low-cut back dress. Uh-huh. And I leaned back on my chair, and suddenly I was in pain. Really not funny. Oh, fun. no. <laughs> but, yeah. So after that goes away, it's massage time. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, also joining us today for the first of three episodes, um, the world's seemingly biggest Steven Soderbergh fan. Um,
3: cause I'm so tall.
1: That's it. That's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> Riley Harrington. How are you, Riley?
3: Hello. It's, it's me. I'm, uh, very excited to talk about probably one of my favorite movie trilogies of all time. Um, I've I've been in love with these movies for about four years now, and I'm doing the math on that, and it made me feel very, uh, just, you know, time. It keeps on slipping into the future, you know? Um, I'm snapping.
2: You you see me snapping? (laughs) Yes.
3: (laughs) 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 Steven Soderbergh, and we're back on topic.
1: Oh my God.
3: Yes, Uh and.
1: So if, if you couldn't tell from our discussion and from the fact that you clicked on this episode and know what this episode's about, mm-hmm. the movie the that we're talking about today is Ocean's Eleven, The Good One, uh, released in <laughs> 2001, directed by Steven Soderbergh, screenplay by Ted Griffin, story by George C. Johnson and Jack Golden Russell. Which I think is a That's, dog.
2: That sounds like a porn name, TBH. Yeah. Uh,
1: starring George Clooney, Matt Damon, Andy Garcia, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, and a whole bunch of other people, including the uncredited Don Cheadle. Um,
2: yeah, I'll wait. never understand. We can get back to that.
3: Okay, I never noticed that. That is wait, yeah. what? <laughs>
1: Yeah, Don Cheadle's name does not appear in the credits, on the posters, anything. Completely uncredited. Not out of some cameo sense, but out of the sense that um, he, I guess, had it in like his contract or something that he had to appear on the posters. Uh, and in like the top line above the title. And when that didn't happen, he was just like, take me off of everything.
3: Okay, interesting.
2: That is... That is a diva attitude, right? Um, I like Don Cheadle, but
3: love
0: him. That's
2: when's his birthday? That's Leo energy. Okay, <laughs> hang on.
3: I mean, like at that point, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of blind spots of stuff I haven't seen, but like, he's got under his belt at that point: Boogie Nights, um, Devil in a Blue Dress, and oh,
1: one episode of The Fresh Prince.
3: He was on Fresh Prince. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and the, I mean, like, I'm sure he was in other stuff. Was Hotel yeah, Rwanda oh, he was before a, this? He
1: was definitely a name, but he wasn't as big of a name as George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, and Matt Damon were at the time.
3: He his performance in these movies is just terrific because mm-hmm. I had no idea he was going to be like doing a voice <laughs> the like the whole time yeah so in like his introduction he's doing a very dick van dyke cockney accent and it's just like i thought like oh okay like he's like with this crew maybe he's like doing a character because these guys are like clever con men and then it just kept going and then it got even funnier to me and i was like oh like he's doing like a bad accent to like kind of like be a joke like that's soderberg and then it just kept going i'm like oh he's This is just a choice. I love it. Go for it.
2: Don Cheadle is a Sagittarius.
3: He's also an Avenger.
2: (laughs) That's also true. And he plays that AI in the new Space Jam.
3: Oh, no. Did you guys see that? I I did not. I elected to watch the other uh, Don Cheadle movie that came out that month, No Sudden Move directed I, by Steven Soderbergh.
1: <laughs> I watched No Sudden Move 2 days ago. Oh, 5 stars. Perfect love it. movie. So no tight. Nuts. So sick. Um I'm and, uh,
3: loving this retirement Soderbergh's got going on. Right? Just pumping out awesome movies every couple of years You're like ah, I got bored. <laughs>
1: That's
2: a mood honestly.
3: I did the nick, I got bored. <laughs>
1: Um, I, I feel the need, like we, Anna. I need to apologize to you for the next three weeks because why the next three episodes are just going to be Riley and I gushing over a bald man who likes to make movies very quickly.
2: Mm-hmm. You're going to be gushing over the most. I'm gonna say it right now. There's nothing for me in these films, friends. <laughs> There's nothing. Brad Pitt. There, I mean, Matt Damon was looking kind of fine. Mm-hmm. But other than that, <laughs> what did I have? Nothing.
1: Bernie Mac. Barely. India has lazy eye. India has a lazy eye. I just spit eye. into
2: the mic. I popped the audio. I hope everyone hears the pain in my voice. <laughs> the pain I've is- seen this movie before, though, so I I know a little bit about it. I had like weird flashbacks of the first time I saw the movie because all I could see was um, Shane West sitting at a Mm -hmm. poker table, and I've always forgotten what movie that was from, and then when I saw Topher, I was like, I know exactly what's about to happen. (laughs) Shane West at a poker table.
0: So...
1: Uh, So, released on December 7th, 2001, so this is canonically a Christmas movie, with a budget of... $85 Eighty five million dollars, it made four hundred and fifty million point seven uh, male box dollars. office.
3: What's so I don't interesting I think you're wrong. What's so interesting <laughs> to me is that this movie wasn't a box office bomb, despite coming out on the anniversary, of course, of Pearl Harbor. And I just think that's interesting. <laughs>
2: It didn't come out, like, the year after Pearl Harbor. Is that a notoriously bad day for movies? Like,
1: You know, 56 years to the day after Pearl Harbor is the most important day of remembrance. And if I want
3: to think... get my math right, I think Pearl Harbor the movie, I'm assuming that came out on Pearl Harbor, which is just tragic in its own right.
1: Uh, that Pearl Harbor the movie came out... You talking about the one May with May 25th, Cuba Jr.? 2001.
3: All right kids, oh. it's it's Memorial it's Memorial Day. Get in the car. <laughs> We're not going We're to We're going the to
2: be- see Cuba Gooding Jr. in <laughs> Pearl Harbor. We're going to
3: watch him get completely wasted, not used at all and then a weird love triangle for some reason.
2: I think I watched part of that movie in a history class at some point.
3: It's like, what if From Here to Eternity sucked ass but then got really awesome in the back half because (laughs) Michael Bay was doing it? Unfortunately, he does everything up to it.
1: But
3: it kind of gets tight in the back end, which is unfortunate.
1: And that's what she said. I was going to say, what else gets tight in the back
2: end? Thank you, Dan. I'm
3: amazed I didn't walk into that one. That's, you know... (laughs) The Uh, student has become the master. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, So on Rotten Tomatoes, Ocean's Eleven has an 83% approval rating. Um, Newsweek said that Ocean's Eleven bounces along with finger-snapping high spirits. Um, (laughs) Wow. Don Cheadle's accent has been recognized as one of the worst accents in history on film.
3: That's right, baby. I love it.
1: Uh, It's
2: not good. It's not a good time. (laughs)
1: So funny. Um, And this is a spiritual remake adaptation, whatever, uh, of the 1960 Ocean's Eleven uh, with the Rat Pack. Um, But what's different about this and the 60s one is this is good. And the Rat Pack one is the most boring movie I've seen in my life.
3: I've never seen the original one, and I've kind of steered clear of it because most of the Rat Pack can kind of flop for me in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of think Jerry Lewis is pretty funny, which is you know not shocking anybody. Um, but I don't know. I've always thought it's interesting that Ocean's Eleven, Soderbergh version, is like super tight and lucid and very on it filmmaking, whereas the '60s one is the most just cocktail-addled, (laughs) pilled-addled
1: Vegas That sounds like my
2: kind of time. I'm looking this up. I didn't know whether the Rat Pack was in it. Now hold on just two seconds here. If you
1: really wanted to know what it was like for the Rat Pack to have meandering, useless phone conversations with each other Mm -hmm. for 68 minutes of the movie, Mm -hmm. do I have a picture for you? Oh, oh I, I
2: should watch this. It's got my boys, and I mean, my I mean,
3: it's the Rat Pack. You know, you know. Let's run them down. Frank Dean Sinatra, Martin. the boss.
2: You know, I love Dean Martin. Come on.
1: No love for Joey Bishop, everyone's Achieve. favorite member of the Rat Pack. Goodbye. I
3: think. I think my favorite's Jerry Lewis, just because of King of Comedy and that one bit in in the bellboy where he's putting out the chairs. Yeah. (laughs) I love that so
1: much. Um, So, Riley, since you're the guest, when was the first time you saw Ocean's Eleven?
3: Um, I saw Ocean's Eleven for the first time um, my junior year of college uh, a few years ago uh, with some good friends of mine. Uh, it was pretty late in the evening, and we had decided we weren't going to leave our house. Uh, it happened semi semi frequently that happened where we're like, oh, it's like ten forty five, and I still don't have like a good shirt on. Fuck it, I'm not leaving. I'm on the couch now. <laughs> this is where I live. <laughs> and um, then we just threw it on because I was like, hey, I saw that a few years ago. It was really good, and then uh, I'd never seen it, and I, I, you know, I just loved. You know, Brad Pitt, I just thought he was a really great actor at the time. I'd seen him in um, Inglourious Bastards. I wasn't huge oh. on Clooney at the time, um, and I just didn't really know anything else about it. I knew it was like a cool heist movie, and mm-hmm. this was right around when I was starting to be- like become a movie guy and just like obsessively get into directors and into actors, and this movie was a really big inciting incident into me getting into like one of my favorite actors and favorite film movements of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll get to that character a little bit later.
1: (laughs) It's Casey (laughs) Affleck, isn't it? He,
3: he is one of, he is probably in the (laughs) top, probably top five of the 11 in terms of the performances, but I can't separate him from Scott Conn. Those two are so perfect together in this. That's true, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I remember. So before we we get into the the, the rundown of the movie, I uh, earlier this year in right when HBO Max had launched. Um, my friend Tom and I were going through and looking for a movie to watch, and we ended up watching Michael Clayton with George Clooney. Fantastic mm. movie! Mm. If you really like baguettes, it's the movie for you. Oh, well, God.
2: just wait a minute now. <laughs> I love a good baguette.
1: Well, there there is a scene of somebody holding a bushel of baguettes as they walk was down a New York me? City alleyway. It's simply
3: a comically large amount of baguettes.
0: Uh, yeah. it was me. And with it's
3: my not grocery like. Store. It's not like a bit in the movie where it's like, oh, look at all these funny baguettes. It's just like, that's, I guess, just like the set decorator was like, he's getting bread. Uh, How much baguettes do you normally get? And then, you know, it was Jabba the Hutt. And he was like, (laughs) I don't know, 15?
2: (laughs) You know, maybe the guy was actually he just walked on the set on his way home from you
3: know tom,
0: tom wilkinson whatever grocery
2: yeah. store they have
3: he just showed up to say like i was running groceries i have nowhere to put these we have to film right now
2: yep. he's like oh crap
3: Right it into the carriage uh, they're what, having so- a sale <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's day-old bread they were each a quarter uh,
1: so we watched all of michael clayton it was great and then because HBO Max is entirely in alphabetical order, right below it was Ocean's Eleven, which I had watched like the first 10 minutes of a day before or something, before I had to go. And then, so Tom and I just made eye contact, paused, didn't say anything to each other. I hit play and we watched the rest of Ocean's Eleven. That's a right. perfect night.
2: I'm going to say it one more time. I'm not trying to gender anything, okay? If you're a woman and you love Ocean's Eleven... That's great for you. This movie isn't for me. (laughs) It's not made with a single woman in mind. (laughs) I would never in my life be scrolling through HBO Max and see that and go, yeah, that's the kind of night I'm trying to have. But that's just me. I'm sorry, Riley. I'm like roasting your fave movies, but it's fine, I guess.
3: (laughs) I mean, not everything's for everyone.
2: Thank you. A kind heart over there. But
3: um, smooth camera motion and airtight screenplay writing. Baby, that's for, for everybody. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Personally, I like things to be clunky and not airtight. I don't know what the opposite would be. in a JJ
3: Abrams. Word. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> <laughs> my best friend.
0: Uh,
1: oh, gosh. So, Ocean's Eleven starts off, and we see People's Sexiest Man Alive of 2007 getting a parole hearing in jail. George Clooney, why does he have a beard? Why is he still so hot? Why was the beard doing
2: something to me? I'm going to say it straight out. Also, in that moment, I was wishing I was watching O oh, Brother, Where Art Thou?
3: <laughs> oh, straight fair. up. That, he books so good in that opening scene. It is absurd. And I was kind of annoyed when he got, like, the haircut and cleaned the beard up and the rest of the movie. I was like, all right.
2: Gage was like, he looks terrible here. And then he lost the beard. He's like, there is George. And I was like, no, I don't think so, Tim.
3: There's two uh, opening things like in that opening scene when he's getting that parole hearing. Uh, one, he's locked up in New Jersey, greatest state in the world. Two, the whole he's in prison uh, and trying to get out thing like when I saw that when I first saw the movie I had no idea Soderbergh had directed out of sight by uh it's an adaptation of the Elmore Leonard book um there's another book with that same character that Clooney plays in out of sight uh called Road Dogs um I've heard a lot of people like I think Don Cheadle mentioned wanting to adapt it um but it sounded really really cool and it starts off with that character from out of sight in prison Mm -hmm. And this was, I think, three years after they had made Out of Sight Together, also with Julia Roberts. And I I just thought it was like a nice little cosmic parallel there, almost in the stories. And I think it was almost like a subconscious thing, trying to grease the wheels of like, oh, maybe we'll do another one of these. And then they did two more Oceans movies instead.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, So Clooney, he's... His parole hearing, he he gives a parole performance that would never get anybody released from jail, but he's so suave that he gets out.
2: Listen, I would give George Clooney anything. Anything. (laughs)
3: Give that man the world. Uh,
1: True. uh, The main reason he was caught this time, because he's a a world-class thief, uh, was because his ex-wife left him. Or I guess his separated separated wife. wife. They're not exes yet, but uh, his wife left him and he got caught this time. But they let him out. Uh, and he goes to the, the first place where any degenerate gambler would go to. Best city in the world, Atlantic City, New Jersey.
3: That's right.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, glamorous and yet still so dirty.
3: I've been to AC a handful of times. And let me tell you, it that handful gets thoroughly washed as soon as you leave <laughs> the city limits. Uh, like I, I like said, it. It's so fun, dirty. but it's so, so dirty. It's a gaudy, dirty city on the beach. Uh, <laughs> and, and then in that city, Dan, who does he meet?
1: Mr. Birdie Mac, mm-hmm. uh, Bernie Mac playing Frank Cotton, who's a blackjack dealer. Uh, they have coded phrases to talk to each other away from casino security. Uh, Danny is looking for someone and he goes off to find him. Um, uh, He also has a phone call with his parole officer right right while being framed in the shot by a big sign for the former casino, uh, the former Trump Atlantic City Casino, which has failed. Oh my god, I screamed. Mm -hmm. Like a horror
2: movie, I screamed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then it's off to our next location, my new home, Los Angeles, California, to a building that I researched it. And it has been knocked down because there is no history in Los Angeles. Only progress.
2: Yup. Yup. The (laughs) city
0: is
3: flat and the air is gray, but God, the vibrations are amazing.
1: Oh my God. That's the earthquake, Riley.
2: (laughs) I saw something today, Dan, that made me think of you. It said the only people who actually like Los Angeles live in Los Angeles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fair. That's true. Um, People have been asking me, like, how is it so far? And when I say just delightful, I get a weird look.
2: Yeah, that sounds fake, but I'm glad you're having a great time. It is for you.
3: It's sunny and 75. It feels so good to be alive.
2: Personally, (laughs) I'm just glad Poppy's turning out to be quite the California girl.
1: Yes, she's (laughs) shockingly enjoying it, mostly because she keeps trying to run out the patio.
2: Oh, my God. (laughs)
1: Uh, in Los Angeles. They are on Hollywood Boulevard at the corner of Hollywood and Vine, and it is a celebrity Everyone. poker game
2: <gasps> featuring
1: the biggest celebrities of today.
3: Run them down. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but the the group that Brad Pitt, Rusty, is teaching to play poker mm-hmm. uh, are the biggest stars of 2001. Molly mm-hmm. Marie Combs... Mm-hmm. Star of Charmed. Right? Charmed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Joshua Jackson One... from Dawson's Creek.
2: Dawson's Creek.
1: Barry Watson from Seventh Heaven. Seventh Heaven.
2: <laughs> Ooh, I lo- I literally forgot he was in this scene, and when he came on screen, I went, Matt Camden! <laughs> I, I love Seventh Heaven. Like I don't know how to express to you how much I love Seventh Heaven. I don't know if you knew that about me.
3: I did not. That's a that is a fun fact.
2: Yeah, you know, my mom and I used to watch it together a lot. It slaps. <laughs> it's not important, but anyway, he was, that that actor is way too hot to be on Seventh Heaven.
3: I had but... no idea that any of the other people at the table were like actual like teeny bopper actors. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I only recognized one name.
1: Yeah. Before we get to that, there's also Shane West, star of A Walk to <laughs> Remember. Screams.
3: Oh, what else is he in? I
1: know that name. He's now, in know. Gotham now, or he was what? in Gotham.
2: I'm googling this right now. Yeah,
1: he was Bane in Gotham. Shut the
2: fuck <laughs>
3: Really? Did they do <laughs> yeah. like another like, oh, he's not going to be like giant. He's going to be more realistic, which is Probably. a stupid approach to that character. The whole point of him is he juice him up and he gets huge <laughs> don't I, they know that size is everything
2: i um. i can't right now
3: <laughs> Shane, <laughs> West. <gasps> Shane West as bane
2: <laughs> i dan this episode yep. is canceled i've taken to the bed i am ill <laughs> <laughs>
3: get the fainting couch quick
2: <laughs> literally stat why am i still attracted to him he looks awful Yes. As bait, not and in Bane. real life. I'm sure he looks very nice it's in It's
3: the real toxic real life, effects Bane, of the venom drug.
2: I, something has changed within me. Okay, let's continue.
3: <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, that was
2: a wicked joke, in case anyone didn't know.
3: It was pretty good. Thank you. I get it. I don't know what wicked is. It was a... Oh, my God. <laughs> crack of the bat, out of the park. <laughs>
1: The last celebrity featured at the poker table, and somehow the only one who still has any sort of relevance, the star of Spider-Man 3, Topher Grace. Mm. Nothing but
2: respect for my venom, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs>
2: also, I have one other thing to say. Gage accused me of being an Eric while we were watching the movie, and I was horrified. For those of you who don't know... Mm-hmm. I love that 70s show. My two favorite things. Two of my favorite shows have the number seven in them. Not sure what that's all about. But anyway, I was accused of being an Eric. No, seven's a good number. That's the Jesus number. Um, I personally think that I am a hot Donna, but he says I'm an Eric, and I was mad at him because he's an Eric. But anyway, Mm -hmm. that was my thought process watching this scene as well as remembering the first time I saw this and... Yeah, just wanted to share the most exciting part of the movie for me.
3: I really love when actors show up as themselves in movies. I always think Mm -hmm. it's really funny. Um, And I think it wasn't a particularly great show, but I think Entourage was a really good litmus test. Are you... Dan, you planted this. No, hold on. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. I love
1: Entourage. I
3: hate it
2: here. I'm leaving. This is a boys club and I'm not a boy.
3: Hear me out. Entourage is not a perfect show. But it's a good litmus test for telling whether or not a celebrity is like normal. Because if they were game to be like made fun of or seem fucking insane on the show, like Matt Damon did, yeah. Then you can tell, like, oh, this guy's probably like pretty well adjusted. But if they insist on seeming cool and awesome, like Tom Brady or Mark Wahlberg, you're like, oh, like, yeah, that kind of that makes sense. Um, Let's
2: take a second to remember that Sarah Silverman song that she did on the Jimmy Kimmel show, I'm fucking Matt Damon. It haunts me every day of my life.
3: I, I love it. <laughs> I don't like Jimmy Kimmel, but I do love the the little rivalry bit. Just because Matt Damon commits to it so well. And when they brought Affleck into it, it was hysterical. (laughs) I love Ben Affleck.
1: Uh, Then you must be really enjoying this year. Oh, he is. I'm so excited. I'm so
3: excited for him. This is beautiful. He's back. Brendan Fraser's back. Dudes Rock 2021. We've been rolling since 2019. (laughs)
2: Wait, what? Do you say rock.
3: dudes? Oh right.
2: I'm leaving. This is, there's too much testosterone. Yeah. And I hate it here.
3: Jackass oh, Forever's wow. coming out in October. Everything is good again.
2: <laughs> oh my god. If you
3: guys do an episode on Jackass Forever, I would love to come on again.
1: <laughs> I think I think I'm being placed in dude jail after this series. <laughs> I'm
2: going to walk you there, Dan.
1: You know what that'll be? It'll be a walk to remember.
3: <gasps> and we're back into the movie.
2: Cries <laughs> for twenty game thousand left.
1: years. Uh, so, Danny Ocean shows up at the the poker game. Uh, he and Rusty they they share a sexy smolder with each other, and then
2: very sexy smolder.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. And then they're back together. They're putting together a crew to take down three casinos: the Bellagio, the Mirage, and the MGM Grand,
3: and mm-hmm. the Santa Maria. Honestly, I w- I have probably an easier time remembering the names of the three casinos they hit in this movie than the ships that came over with Columbus.
2: <laughs> oh my god! I Gage was getting so annoyed with me because when they were in Vegas, I was every time they showed something, I was like, "I've been there," and he was like, "We get it. You went right on up. one trip to Vegas once."
3: What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas.
2: Mm-hmm. I was. I uh, definitely fell asleep by the pool in the hot desert sun, and that did not stand Vegas. I brought that burn home with
3: me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan, one thing yes. I just love. I think by the end of the poker scene with Rusty and uh, Danny, we're maybe, I want to say, 11, 13 minutes into the movie, tops, mm-hmm. and we've already met three of the crew. They're yeah. not like fully congealed and it's not you don't even know what like the plan is but i think like it's hour 50 i think like oh you're a 15th into it and you're already like that far away i was never a great uh economical screenwriter i liked having a lot of texture i like drawing things out i like shaggy stories this is just high and tight all business movie making and i fucking love it
1: yes um for some reason your 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 description of that is making me think of boyhood. Uh, <laughs> I love which that feels movie like too. the opposite of
2: this. Boyhood this. was painful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh
2: Patricia my. killed it, my dudes. But.
3: Not and no words of praise for the star of that film, Ethan Hawk
2: none sc- Never.
3: I oh my god the scene where he gives the his kid that custom beatles album that he made for him and the kid's just like i don't know i think i'll always just like paul the best and i wanted to fucking shake that kid i'm like he's doing something nice for you he's trying to be a good dad you fucking idiot
2: that's very adult of you to say i, I was
3: i was like 17 when i saw boyhood and i was just like i'm so pissed why are you a terrible son i love that movie Oh, I love uh, Linklater. I love Linklater and Soderbergh, and they have such different eth- ethos, ethos,
1: mm-hmm.
3: ways of making movies. That's the easiest way to say it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so next up, it is time to put together a team uh, after a combination a conversation at Musso and Frank a grill that I've been to. Oh, I love that. We're
2: pointing out places we've been to. Let's keep this energy up.
3: <laughs> I haven't been there, but I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood ten times, and that's the opening scene.
2: That's close <laughs> enough. I love that energy.
3: I love it.
1: I'm going uh, to So they go to the house of Riley's favorite person in, mm-hmm. in film history, Elliot Gould, mm-hmm. to, to discuss their plan. Uh, with him, Elliot Gould is playing uh, Ruben Tishkoff, who is a rich financier,
3: mm. um, just a a man who loves delicacies and really, uh, you know, ostentatious clothing mm-hmm. and big glasses, nice cigars, and he's he
2: was he was giving Elton vibes, you know, Elton mm-hmm. John vibes, Elton
3: by the pool vibes, very oh. big gut, and he's also playing it with. You know, the Gould, Brooklyn, he's doing almost like a tough guy thing. And And he really turns the tough guy angle of it down in the second and third in the trilogy. Mm -hmm. But he is out of the gate, doesn't miss a fucking beat from the 70s. I went back and I saw stuff like MASH and The Long Goodbye um, and just like all of his other, like Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice. He is an incredible actor. And in this, like, I remember being so captivated by his performance, just like when he's running through, it's like, this is a terrible plan. And I'm going to tell you exactly why it's not possible. And you're never going to get it done. And over that, I think like two and a half minutes where he's going through all the attempted robberies of Vegas, all the shortcomings that they're going to have, the difficulty they're going to have in getting a crew and how Terry Benedict is going to kill them you can just hear him talking himself into doing it. It's like, no, no, yeah. no, you guys are crazy. I'm eating my salad. I don't want any part of this. But you can kind of see, like, uh, you know, what else do I have going for me? He's just kind of, and he, it's also very much like people compare, you know, Redford and um, Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. And it's that kind of like old Hollywood new, uh, or new Hollywood to, I guess indie generation or like whatever we have nowadays, whatever you call that, like that passing of the torch. And I feel like Gould's performance in this film was very much one of those like turn of the millennium, like we're handing it over to the young bucks now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just a really beautiful kind of like for Soderbergh to think of like, Oh, who's, who would be good for like a Ruben Tishkoff type character? Like I couldn't picture anyone except, I mean, maybe Dustin Hoffman, but it would be nowhere near as charming and nowhere near as, like, assert, like, acidic. It would
1: be way more rat-like, because Dustin Hoffman is way more of a rat-like person. He'd, wait,
3: wait, <laughs> Yeah, wait. it'd be a bit more like, like, oh, he's, like, he's, like, double-crossing and sneaky, you know, yeah. like, pulling a fast one on people. Elliot Gould is just, like, he's just a schmoozer. He's just, like, this really, <laughs> like, you know kind of breezy guy, and yeah, I don't know what it is about him. I just find him so compelling.
1: Mm-hmm. A- Anna, are you taking offense to my description of Dustin Hoffman as rat-like?
2: I like Dustin Hoffman. He doesn't give me rat vibes.
3: He gave Jim Henson rat vibes, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure they named that Muppet after him, uh, his character in Midnight Cowboy. I could just be making that up, but um, Rizzo, the Rizzo Ratto or whatever, I think was the... Uh, same name.
2: Okay, that's kind of cute, though. I love that. I,
3: who doesn't love the Muppets? I
2: would love...
3: And who doesn't me. love Midnight Cowboy?
2: <laughs> yup, that's the <five>. vibe. <laughs> um,
1: so it's that, then it's time to put together the team, and it's time to meet the rest of the team. We've got the two Mormon brothers in Utah who like to race cars together. Uh, Scott Kahn <laughs> and Casey Affleck as Turk and Virgil. Uh, <laughs> the
3: Molloys.
1: We've got uh, a, an electronics anxious man, Livingston Dell.
2: The uh, sweat was relatable.
3: <laughs> the most stressed out man in the world.
2: It's like me every day of my life.
3: <laughs> Dan, who played Livingston Dell? Because he is the one of the crew, like one of the few of the crew that I don't really know much of their other work, I don't think.
1: Uh, his name is Eddie Jemison, and, and oh. this was his first film role.
3: Really, oh.
1: good for him. Yeah, yeah, he played a name. Well, in nineteen ninety six, he played nameless numberhead man in mm-hmm. Steven Soderbergh's Soderbergh. Schizopolis. Schizopolis. Uh, oh, that credited cool! In that. In that. And then, um, he had acted in some TV stuff, and he was a he acted in theater in Chicago. Um, love that but after this City he was in uh bruce almighty uh uh-huh. the informant veronica oh. mars movie uh Ooh. i, love I love zombie that. on the cw <gasps>
2: whoa i love i zombie
1: <laughs> whoa that's a new sentence <laughs> oh, no, no, like so I've so never people. seen it. The only thing I know you about it is when like I worked it. at the library shelving the DVD. It was frequently checked out, which was a good sign.
2: Mm-hmm. I like it
1: a lot. Um, we also see the uncredited Don Cheadle as <laughs> Bash.
3: In a um, so dramatic appearance.
1: <laughs> um, Bashar Tar. He he is. Attempting to rob a bank, his his crewmates don't cut the silent alarm or the, I guess, ringing alarm. So mm-hmm. the the cops come to them, but he gets rescued by Brad Pitt, and they commit literally an act of terror. To That's escape. right.
3: That I mean, it just just blow up a cop car. Yeah. Oh. I, I, it,
2: was, it was 2001. <laughs> times were different, right? Yeah,
3: times were in oh. fact changing rapidly. <laughs> oh, the um, years start coming a, They don't stop coming. Oh. Yep.
1: <laughs> uh, and then, you know, they they seem like they got they got to get two more so they get their grease man, the the man who they can use to break into the vault. Uh, he is the, uh, quote, the short Chinese guy. Mm-hmm. Um uh, <laughs> a circus acrobat, Yen. Uh, and then there is the grumpy old-timer bank robber. Dan O'Keefe. I wish Carl Reiner.
3: <laughs> oh, RIP to a legend. Yeah. Which uh, is the absolute gem.
1: I, I mean, I love Carl Reiner. Oh, Everything that he's done. The... If you've seen the unaired pilot for The Dick Van Dyke Show when Carl Reiner was supposed to star in it, because he wrote it and he wrote it for himself. Oh. Um, it wasn't what? called The Dick Van Dyke Show. I was just going to say, kind of,
3: that's, wow. a, that's a genuinely great joke out of the gate. We're like, all right, welcome to The Dick Van Dyke Show. I'm Carl Reiner. Yeah. <laughs> It's almost uh, like the uh, Gary Shandling show, or yeah. I think he did like where he just like there was another character that he just played. That was a good one. Uh,
1: so it was supposed to be called Head of the Family, and he's in the fir- like ah, in the pilot they aired first. And They're like it just doesn't work with him, and he so does not fit.
3: It's wonderful. Oh. He and feels he re- so, re- out so out of place. Oh, I mean, well, I guess it worked out. It's like probably like watching uh, Captain Pike in the first episode of Star Trek. You're like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then the next one, you're like, oh, it's Star Trek. I get it. Yeah. Um, Dan, have you seen uh, The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming with uh, Alan Arkin and Carl Reiner?
1: I haven't yet.
3: It's from 1966, uh, directed by uh, Norman Jewison uh, and edited by one of my favorite directors, Hal Ashby. Okay. Um, Very absurd um, Cold War comedy came out in the... I think the year or two after *Strange Love*, where *Strange Love* is like, "Oh yeah, like we're uh, we're like on the edge of Armageddon." This was like, "Hey, this is kind of fucking dumb. Maybe we should end the Cold War." And then it ended, you know, twenty years later. But um, is a really really good comedy, and um, it like shockingly has aged like pretty well. Mm -hmm. Alan Arkin, I think, speaks in Russian or some um, Eastern European language. Like the duration of the film, and I think he is doing his lines like their actual lines but just no one knows what each other's saying and it's a whole like comedy (laughs) of communicating it's it's pretty funny um it's 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 old so it might not land your mileage may vary but i enjoyed it a bit and if you're a carl reiner guy i think you'd really dig it
1: Mm -hmm. i will i will have to check that out but so the gang is all put together except for they're they're sitting they're they're sitting at muso and frank chillin' mm-hmm. um George Clooney and, and, and Brad Pitt and they're like you think we need one more yes you think we need one more yes. we need one more and who is the one more Anna
2: Matt like <coughs> Matt Damon anyone <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> Oh, I really do like Matt Damon I I oh, really do I love I think him. he's funny and I think he's really talented I haven't seen him in a ton of things, just because, you know, usually he's, I feel like, in a lot of, like, Cute films movies. that are not, yeah, not aimed at my demographic. But when I do see him in movies, I really like him. Also, it doesn't hurt that while he's kind of plain looking, he's plain in a hot way. So, <sighs> you know.
3: <laughs> uh, His new movie, Stillwater, is very much, like, not like a... I gotta get my daughter back, like, taken action movie. It is just, like, a fish-out-of-water sort of story. It's really character-driven. Mm. Uh, it's a lot slower. There's a really nice romance in it. Um, <gasps> I was excited to see a movie in the theater this year. Yeah. I was like, oh, like, this is, like, about, like, people. And, like, these are, they, they have sex and, you know, no one's shooting lasers. <laughs> <laughs> And there's like probably minimal CGI that I can't notice because it's not a giant starfish monster.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm, to be clear, love that. I, to
3: be clear, I loved the Suicide Squad. But I was gonna
2: say, where are you getting at over there? I, I loved Suicide Squad. I loved
3: it. It made me like come to terms with like, yeah, like I am a comic book person, but I'm also very much a DC person. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of like burned out on the the Marvel engine.
0: I was Mm -hmm. like, all right,
3: these movies aren't really going anywhere anymore, and I don't really care about a lot of these characters. Mm -hmm. But I do love the characters that DC has. They're a bit more shaky with how they do them in the movies.
2: Yeah, I think they're learning.
3: I mean, the last three I've seen have been really good. Joker, um Zack Snyder Justice League Um, I'm
1: gonna disagree with you there but we can't talk about
3: it Joker, Snyder Justice League and Suicide Squad I'm like oh they get it like they should be like the limited series or the one shot graphic novels like have a very distinct voice do your shit get out you have the whole toy box stop doing the we're setting up uh, the crossover that you gotta watch the show on HBO Max for I'm like nope just give me the characters Mm-hmm. i don't care or... if they cross over give me a blue beetle movie i don't need wonder woman in it i need the blue beetle
2: <laughs> dan i just called you gauge but I, I, I wanted to I say i think we found our guest for our 100th episode
3: <laughs> what's I... the 100th episode gonna be is it gonna joker. be joking? joker it's let's joker. go <laughs> i actually i've Been asked to be on multiple podcasts about Joker, and it's just never come up. Like I never figured out the scheduling for it because I'm one of the few people who is like, like ardently, like a pretty earnest fan of Joker. I saw it four times in the theater.
1: Oh my god! I don't know what it
3: was about it. I was right there with you. This fucking works for me. I'm digging this.
2: Uh, I'm right there with you.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
1: So, so in in case you don't know, our 100th episode is going to be Joker because it is. Probably the movie that Anna and I have the furthest differing opinions on. Correct. Uh,
3: <laughs> I'm glad I'll be anything. a neutral party.
1: Yeah, no, um, I feel like I need to, I need to find somebody need on my side here.
2: Yeah. Fine, we'll find someone. We'll get you back up, Dan. Don't worry.
3: <laughs> well, who can we find who didn't like the joke?
2: <laughs> yeah, let me throw a rock and hit somebody.
1: <laughs> well... You know, speaking oh, no, of characters that we all someone love, someone finds
3: crime funny. It's just so sick.
2: <laughs> I think we might have lost Dan
1: for a second. Oh
3: here. no, he's, uh, he he had enough.
1: I, yeah, oh, my, that, it said you've lost your network connection. Time to reconnect. Dan's
2: back. Did I'm you? Back you connected.
1: Jokes on you. Back. Um, speaking of characters that we all love the yes. oceans
0: mm-hmm.
1: the the yes. 11 um they all converge at ruben's house in vegas to discuss the details of the plan basically blah 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 there's a vault there are rules they have to break in and whatever i'm sure they set, follow the rules i believe them they set, set up all the well.
3: stuff that they have to do yeah. they give you all the impossible tasks they're like we got to do this thing we got to do this thing it's the checklist it's basically they're writing out a shot list <laughs> like we're going to do this <laughs> they got this We have to have this all done by this day or we're screwed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to fail the project. Um, And they uh, plan to do it on the night of a big boxing match, which is two weeks away. uh, And they set up camp in one of the Bellagio suites to canvas everything. Uh, Matt Damon's job is to watch Andy Garcia get his schedule every day. By the way, Andy Garcia's in this movie. He's Mm -hmm. Terry Benedict.
3: Mm-hmm. The big uh, bad, the scary guy. Uh I kind of like the lazy eye. I, I, you keep mentioning this lazy eye. I have I've seen him in a couple movies and I've never noticed this. And I, I don't just like know completely face he, blind.
1: I don't know if he actually has a lazy eye, but in the last shot of him where it's just his full face on screen where he and Julia Roberts are doing mm-hmm. like that stare off and they're in the middle, he uh, is cross eyed. And no. I'm like, Andy, what's going on here?
3: Maybe he uh it was doing that he was doing he was affecting that to kind of show how overwhelmed he had become because the whole movie terry benedict he's in control he's on it, he knows everything going on in the casino and then he just got fucking played but maybe he's yet.
2: keeping an eye out for <laughs> selena you know
3: they, wait was he in selena
2: no, that was a joke. Uh, nobody seems to get this joke anymore. Anybody? Beauty and a Beat by Justin Bieber and Nicki Minaj. Nicki raps the lyric, buns out, wiener. But I gotta keep an eye out for Selena because that's back when Justin Bieber was dating Nicki or dating Selena Gomez. <sighs> I've made that joke like three times this month, and apparently nobody else like still remembers it except for me and my very specific TikTok feed. It's fine.
3: Well. To be fair, let's hearken back to a few days ago when we were planning uh, scheduling,
2: <laughs> and I very
3: directly quoted uh, Ruben Tishkov's monologue um, about, uh, said, Dominic, your addresses, I have some remaindered furniture I'd like to send you, which is just a hysterical line on its own, and it fucking bombed in that group. It's okay. I, I was just like, okay. so okay, so like 8.30 where it's right, <laughs> just moving <It's> okay. on. <laughs>
2: I, it's alright, we made it, we're here, we made it, it's okay
3: We're live, it's happening
1: <laughs> Yeah, Anna, your exact response to, to Riley no. Sending the quote word for word was, what is going on?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not good at that kind of stuff
3: oh, I love it It's gonna know.
2: take more than one, two watches, five years apart, I'm telling you. Uh,
3: well, yeah, it's fair, I've had, um uh, at least seven watches of this movie i think between now and f- like four years ago so
2: oh my god yeah I,
3: it, I just put it on it's like the sound of the ocean It just it calms seven, me down
2: Ocean's 11. <laughs>
0: i'm so sorry
3: oh my god i can't believe i never put that together <laughs> That wasn't me like being cute. I, I genuinely like, oh, wow, it is. That's exactly why they named it this.
2: Yep. It's to soothing. one Riley to sleep every night. <laughs> I
3: was I was like like three or four or something and Steven Soderbergh was out there in Las Vegas shooting this movie and he's being like, guys, we can't fuck this up because in a, in a couple decades some weird, weird young man is going to watch these movies. And he's got to fall in love with cinema again. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I um, love that man, S- Soderbergh. They didn't give him any blood when he was born. They just pumped him full of that movie theater, Popcorn Butter, and they <laughs> sent him on his way. Oh Gosh God damn it, he's killing it.
1: Uh, so the the plan is that Carl Reiner will impersonate a Eastern European jewelry rich guy. Um, I'm good with words arms dealer. He's yeah. an arms dealer.
3: That's right.
1: Uh, and they are going to to store uh, some valuable jewels in the vault. Those jewels will be bombs like the pies from Spongebob and they will go oh. their way into the vault.
2: Wait, I think you posted something about that and I literally did not understand it, Dan. My life is in shambles. Oh.
3: <laughs> I never put together that the, the jewels he brings down were the explosives that they use. Yeah. I uh, Okay. Right. 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 Now I remember. I thought that they had brought those down later in the movie. Wow. I'm learning new things, even as we're recording. And I literally just finished <laughs> this movie like 15 minutes before I hopped on the Zoom. I was like, "All right, I gotta watch this before." then. I realized, I'm like, "Oh shit, that's till like tonight." <laughs>
1: I got out of work. And I was like, "I gotta go watch a movie."
3: <laughs> uh,
1: so they Linus is then telling Brad Pitt about uh, Andy Garcia's daily schedule, and he says, "This is my favorite part." And then I think the only part of the movie that doesn't, I think, has aged poorly. Is like his favorite part of the day is when Julia Roberts shows up and he gets to, to watch her because Julia Roberts is a beautiful woman. But mm. she might tread
3: lightly, more. Dan.
1: Okay, and I'm not, this is nothing against Julia Roberts, but when you say like this is the favorite part of my day and it's like somebody appearing on screen, in my head, I think somebody who looks like Marilyn Monroe or like like, a a classic, like, bombshell-looking person would show up. And, like, Julia Roberts, she's beautiful. She's big. She's beautiful in, like, a regular sort of way. Mm, Disagree. I'm trying to think
2: who my ideal would be if I was like, wow, this is the best part of my day. I don't know. It
3: would just be another Matt Damon, I guess, for you going down the stairs.
2: It would probably be, like, every man I've ever said was hot walking past a camera once. (laughs) And then I'd be like, this is the best part of the day.
3: Well, I think... Well, to be fair, like, the, the, his days at that point were consisting of following Terry Benedict, uh, Pe- Terry Benedict around to his, like, Japanese lessons and, like,
0: mm-hmm.
3: scoping out pit boss <laughs> his all day. And then at the end, he's like, oh, hey, Julia Roberts, all right. This is pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, that would be the best part of my day, too. I hate studying. Unless, of course, I'm studying the beautiful Julia Roberts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm like how you tried oh to God. save that but there was no saving where you were going
3: no no i think i nailed that i wasn't trying to save it i was like an ease i was bringing that in for a landing oh, i looked right into the camera no one listening to it was gonna get that but that was for you that's for you guys
1: <laughs> uh there's a reason i'm shrouded in darkness now so you can't see my face when you say things like that
3: no more eye contact <laughs> oh, lord <laughs>
1: um yeah so then rusty confronts danny uh saying like is the only reason you're doing this to get her back and to get revenge on terry benedict Uh, and danny's like no that's not it that's not the reason it's entirely unless (laughs) (laughs) Um, so rusty is like we got to take you off the job you're threatening the security of everything you can't be on it that's just how it's got to work
3: it's too personal Uh, hmm
1: first wrench thrown in the play
3: i I hate it when I'm watching a heist movie and they're laying out like we have such a difficult thing we have to do it's going to be really hard to do this and then it just it really just sets me off when they're trying to go along and then some other complication shows up and I feel like it always happens in these movies there's always one other thing that just has to go wrong and it's just once. I'd like it to be like, all right, this is a really hard heist. And then it's like, all right, it was as difficult as we thought it was going to be. It was really hard to do this. <laughs> there's no twist. There's no turns. It's just guys doing a very difficult... Wait, I'm describing the movie Thief. I, I just described Thief. <laughs> Never mind. Moving on.
1: <laughs> uh, so we, we see Terry and Tess at dinner together, and they have an awkward relationship. They don't... They don't really get along. They don't vibe. The vibes really are all don't. off. Oh, yeah. The vibes
2: are far from immaculate,
1: Dan, truly. Mm-hmm. They're very immaculate, honestly. They're
2: very, yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> and Danny pops up, and we see that, you know, Tess and Danny, they're not together, but there's still a spark. There's still, there's still a little bit of a flame there, baby. There's, there's a little something, something
2: going on, you know, two beautiful people. That's all. That's
1: it. <laughs> um, and you know Terry is you know he's kind of he doesn't really care he's like uh, whatever. Um, I don't I don't notice that you're trying to take my money and my girlfriend. I'm too I busy mean, being a busy businessman. He really. She's
2: just using him. Be honest. She's still into her her separated mans. She loves the drama. She says she doesn't, but she deaf does. I feel like,
3: she, I like, th- I like that Benedict is really kind of playing as, like, I always read that as not, like, obliviousness, and just kind of, like,
1: I have absolutely nothing to fear.
3: Yeah, he's just like, yeah, you are, you're like a small-time crook, I own these casinos, I make all this money, I'm unsinkable, I'm Terry Epping Benedict, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then... Lo and behold, Achilles has a vulnerable heel. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> you're really proud of that one, aren't you?
3: No, no, I'm not. I was scrambling. I thought a Greek mythology reference would make me sound smarter, and it, to- it just didn't. I sounded stupid.
2: It <laughs> would okay. work
1: better. You did your best. It would work better if it was Brad Pitt as Terry Benedict, because then it would oh, be my. Troy. God, I gotta watch Troy. You don't. Mm, I don't know.
3: He's p- pretty cool looking in everything I've seen.
1: <laughs> uh, so uh, a casino down the strip is destroyed through bombing, which messes up the plan again. Wrench number two. Oh my god! They can't it's like
3: a goddamn load in here. System.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. They can't knock out the electrical system, but they do have another thing they can do. They can set off a fucking EMP to knock off power in Las Vegas for a minute.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: No, no repercussions from that. You see, like, kind of a riot scene in the casino floor, but you don't, like, see people, like, in the hospitals just, like, scrambling mm-hmm. around being like, Oh, fuck. Oh, jeez. This isn't oh, good. yeah. <laughs>
2: If they're only doing the strip, maybe it would be okay, but any, like, serious...
3: <laughs> Black out the whole city.
2: Yeah, any, any Stop serious go out. actual things. Oh, God.
3: <laughs> they actually take advantage of a riot going <laughs> It's like Hotel mm-hmm. Artemis, except really good.
1: Um, yeah, but to get the EMP, they have to break into the California Science Center, I say in quotes. <laughs> Uh, which oh. is just a building in Las Vegas.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the warehouse where yeah. the yeah. device is. Um, the plot place.
2: <laughs> place and, where the plot happens. It has you know, guards.
3: The,
1: the the gang that goes in there uh, of Bash, Danny, Brad Pitt. They do fine. They get um, out just fine. <laughs> but
2: I heard the word "daddy" and I got nervous.
3: Daddy Ocean. He's their father. <laughs> All of the other people in the crew are Danny Ocean's children. Yep. It's like Mumford and Sons.
2: You're right. How could I have been so (laughs) foolish?
3: It's subtext. They don't really explicitly state it, but you can kind of see it in some of the looks. Can you? Yeah, I think so. You got to watch it as many times as I have. You You see what he's going for. It's all under the surface. Very intellectual filmmaking. Very, very nice. As you were saying, moving on. (laughs) Please save Um, me.
1: So, they they get the EMP out fine, but they had left Matt Damon in the car while they were doing this because fuck Matt Damon... Is the main like, reason they left them uh, in a I'd car like with to.
3: Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn, which
1: who are just flicking each other?
3: Yeah, they're like, they're like, like stop they two hitting have some whole
1: idiot.
3: They, oh god, those two together in this movie embody a spirit that I call brother magic. I, I think, uh, I think another podcast, I think the Chapo Trap House, they dubbed that after uh, Uncut Gems. Just the idea of just two people in a movie. Just like Mario and Luigi or the Safdie brothers where it's just brother magic. It just clicks because there's two of them and it's funny or it's cool for that reason. Mm-hmm. And the Malloys in the Ocean's movies, Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn are so fucking funny together. It's like a perfect comedy duo. They're bickering constantly, completely capturing that older brother, younger brother, or twins dynamic, which is you know, older brothers. And they're just so petty and sniping and you know, and it's always like arguments about the watch or um, even when they're faking an argument in front of people, like doing their whole like dressing up in costumes and like being a diversion, creating a bunch of noise. Like it always feels like they're just continuing arguments that they've been having for years yeah it's a really like naturalistic relationship and it's so funny because scott con and casey affleck look nothing alike they don't look related at all but as soon as you see that scene of them doing like the mini monster truck versus the actual oh, monster truck race I which is a joy that that's a hysterical shot because you're like oh it's like a cool truck and then you pull back and you're like oh this is even funnier because these guys are just children that scene is hilarious <laughs> And, like, every time they cut back to it, when, uh, like, they're getting the vans, like, for the whole job, they get, the whole scene starts with just the two of them sitting in the back, yeah, just yeah. bouncing up and down on it, <laughs> seeing how the shocks are. Like, they're 10 years old, and it's just so, ah, God, it, it's awesome. They just crackle together. I love
1: it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Matt Damon is getting chased out by security, and they have to go save him, but as they get him back in the truck, they crush Yen's hand in Mm. the door. What's that? That sounds like a wrench.
2: I gasped. I truly did.
3: How many wrenches are we at at this point? We're
1: at Mm -hmm. three wrenches.
2: So many wrenches. It's three obstacles in every movie. That's a setup. You know that.
3: Every wrench that gets thrown in, you should throw the Tim the Tool Man Taylor like... Just behind that.
2: <laughs> I've never agreed with you more in my life. It'll be an ex-
3: it'll be but... some extra editing, but I really think it'll be worth it.
2: <laughs> I think it would be beyond worth it. I think it would have made this movie more enjoyable for me.
1: Now, now, you're, Riley, your first mistake is assuming that I will do any extra editing. I barely do any editing in the first place. Oh, God. There what are if like we just, six cuts We can cuts make the total? sound
2: right now.
3: You get six cuts. It's <laughs> yeah, like you're shooting sad. on Super 8. It's just point and shoot. You can't go back. <laughs> <laughs> What's done uh, is done. Move on.
1: <laughs> Anna, do you want to make the sound?
2: I can't do it. Oh, uh-huh. Like, I can't do it. Thank you. I I just, I don't know why.
1: Practicing
3: that <laughs> for years.
2: Thank you, everyone. Just try your best. I can always play it from my phone, so. All right. It's my text tone. <laughs>
0: Uh.
2: Dan, that sounded so pained, and I'm mad at you. We are in a fight right now. You, we've been on this podcast for two whole hours, and you haven't even complimented me or told me it was a happy birthday. No, i Yes, I have. I know. I've been doing that to Gage all day. I woke up early to go to work today, and he was still asleep, and I rolled over and went, hmm, you haven't even wished me happy birthday yet. And he woke up, and he was annoyed. It was worth it, though. <laughs>
1: Um, so now it's the night of the heist and everything is set in motion they have Yen in the cart that they're pushing into the uh, vault Um, Saul is going to go into the vault with him but he's not allowed to because Terry Benedict straight up just doesn't trust him Um, Mm -hmm. what's that? oh my gosh I hear it whipping past me it's wrench number four well
3: Dan if you can dodge a wrench you can rob a casino
2: (laughs) Oh my god You can dodge a car, you can dodge
3: a ball Yes I I did it (laughs) I want to make you
1: proud (laughs) (laughs) Riptor. Proud So they uh, They lock George Clooney He gets put into a separate interrogation room uh, because he's not supposed to be on casino premises. He has been banned. Uh, and they also have Linus acting as a Nevada Gaming Commission agent, where they are trying to... They're just basically creating diversions at this point. They are pulling Bernie Mac from the floor because he has been convicted of many crimes, uh, to which Bernie Uh-oh. Mac responds with a classic Bernie Mac scene.
3: The Bernie uh, Maxine, scene, I always forget how it escalates and how it gets mm. up to the line I always remember. And it's so oh, I good. know exactly
2: what line you're going to say.
3: Because um, Matt Damon in that scene, he plays a couple undercover characters and all of his aliases in these films are hysterical. Um, this, <laughs> the one in the first one's a bit weak, but the ones he uses in 12 and 13 are great. But he's, play, he's just playing it like the informant. Just like that kind yeah. of glasses dorky Matt Damon character, and Bernie Mac, just just um, he just pivots the whole like you're like a convicted criminal, like you can't be like a uh, like one of our like dealers in our casino, and he he just starts saying that Matt Damon's a racist. He I think he calls him a cracker, <laughs> and then it's just. It's just so perfect and I, I'd never really seen a lot of Bernie Mac stuff outside of this movie when I had first seen it. Like I'd seen um, some of his stand-up and I thought it was hysterical. But the way that he can bring his own personality into his performance without it just being, you know, oh, that's just Bernie Mac stand-up material that they're kind of forcing into the film. He's just a really natural part of the crew. And when Mm -hmm. he gets Matt Damon going in that scene, it's really fun seeing him. I I love when actors are acting like they're in character. (laughs) I'm sorry
0: for
2: laughing. It just made me laugh.
3: (laughs) All right. Hold on. You know what I mean? Like when a character is doing a performance, like they are Mm -hmm. almost two levels deep trying to get that. And that whole scene is so good because Matt Damon's reactions to some of the things that Bernie Mac says are just like, uh, I, well, I never in my whole life <laughs> he's just <laughs> sputtering out it's fantastic it's oh. Uh. and every character gets a, a moment like that you know, or multiple at least where they just really get to shine and have that kind of like that's the scene where like people are like oh that character's great remember that bit remember that one it's a really good balance between 11 guys and a crew
1: mm-hmm. um, so, so- yeah, and then everybody they get into position. Saul pretends to have a heart attack to distract the people on the monitors. Um, and then Bash he cuts the power. He triggers the pinch, the EMP. He, you know how I said he committed an act of terror before. Mm-hmm. He really committed an act of terror now. Oh that's yeah, that's a hanging offense. Um, yeah, that's like a and citywide so they, crime. So they set off the pinch. The power goes out. The fight. Everything goes crazy. The casino, it, it turns into Mad Max out there. Everybody's fighting over the tables. They're just going after each other. Um, Do you boxers... think...
2: No. No. What? If I was in Vegas and the power went out, I don't think it would actually be this crazy. Do you? Maybe like for the people who work there, but I feel like generally when the power goes out anywhere, there's a couple of dramatic people who scream, but then everybody else is like, now what?
0: Um, yeah. uh, well,
2: I don't know. Uh, well, just the sorry, dark be and the boring, amount of and money on the table. I guess. I'm not really a gambler, so I guess I can't, hashtag can't relate, but...
1: I think I would be more disappointed that my Blake Shelton slot machine shut down in the middle not of the Not the Blake playing.
2: Shelton! Not the Blake it, Shelton!
3: It kills the magic. It kills the entire
1: rhythm
2: of the machine at that point. Yeah. You're right.
1: People's You're right. sexiest slot machine alive...
2: Please never say that again.
3: The Um. sexiest slot machine alive was my nickname in college. I believe you'll remember that,
1: Dan. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) So they... um, Rusty calls Terry. Um, Sorry, I also cut off the, the, the whole thing where they actually break into the vault uh, Matt Damon oh, and George Clooney do when the power's out.
2: <gasps> okay, that part's kind of funny too when they're trying to... Oh, wait, I'm way far back. Oh, God, I'm not good at this. Okay, continue. Oh,
3: when they're doing like the repel, they're almost doing like the Mission yeah. Impossible drop? Yes. That's a good one. Uh. They, they don't know if the ropes will even hold them at first so they just like, Any yeah.
2: ah. Anytime in this movie that Matt Damon and George Clooney are together, I feel like I enjoyed myself. You know, mm. like when it's just the two of them.
3: I'm trying to... I really like their dynamic. You get a lot more mm. of Matt
0: I Damon. love the
2: scene when um, the, the greaser guy, his hand is stuck. Yeah. And they're <laughs> trying to get the explosives to work. That scene makes me laugh. And I, I just think that their chemistry is really good together, whereas some of the other actors are good actors, but I just don't buy into their chemistry as much.
3: Mm-hmm. That's fair. It is, like, that naturalistic, almost, like, older brother, younger brother, paternal kind of dynamic of, like, you want to impress like the the top guy, the cool guy. Or even, like, the sandlot of, like, you want to look cool in front of Benny the Jet because he's Benny the fucking Jet.
2: (laughs) I mean, it's the same. Like, you could say that about any scene in the movie. Like, I think all the way back to the beginning, even, like... Mm -hmm. when even though Linus keeps stealing stuff like he still I feel like he's kind of flattered like when Danny finally is like let's join in together so I don't know I I just really love them together and like you said with um Casey Affleck and man whose name I forgot thank you Scott Scott like they give me brothers almost more than the actual characters playing brothers do
3: interesting that's fair Mm -hmm. um Uh, um I think so we uh, they... wait, Dan. Can I can I just roll a little bit back to the when Carl Reiner fakes that heart attack and they bring in um, again in a completely different costume, the twins as paramedics, <laughs> and also yes. Brad Pitt in really funny fake glasses. Um, and I I I don't know if this was deliberate or intentional, but I always kind of read Brad Pitt's like really over the top, like pulling the glasses off, like. We lost him. Kind of performance as not a shot, but like kind of like a playful dig at Clooney and ER. So ER like the whole, yeah. I really, I really kind of always got that vibe because it was just like I always thought like the whole glasses off bit, and then just like rubbing his mouth like his shirt, and I'm just like that. I, and I never really saw a lot of ER, so I'm probably just assuming that because it's a doctor and Clooney played a doctor. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I want to, want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: wait. So, are you saying that ER is your X Files?
3: ER X Files. There's a lot of letters, and it doesn't really work. But it, yes, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: Dude, I love the Irks files. Not uh, the Irks
2: files, please. Hey do,
3: you, hey, do you guys want to come over this weekend and watch the Irks files on Firks? Oh
2: God. <laughs> I don't have the I love David Dukervni.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be laughing about David Dukervni on the Irks files oh my God. all weekend. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What about Jerry or an Anderson?
2: Dan, I'm just going to tell you right now your eyes keep reflecting a little bit. It's like I'm watching night like night vision camera footage. It's a little creepy. I'm like a ghost,
3: but it's what, just Dan. What if it was just the whole black background and then at one point Dan's eyes open and they're just really bright leave. white? I
2: like, would leave. Like, Dan, a, no. Like someone in a Dan, cartoon. Uh, oh, my god. No.
3: He's, I think, frozen on my end, so I don't really see anything he's doing.
2: Oh, he was being spooky, I'll tell you that, Michael.
3: I'm sorry,
1: those of you listening, you can't see this, but I don't have any lights turned on in my room because the sun set while we were recording, and the light is too far away for me to turn on. So I am shrouded in darkness and lit exclusively by the light of my laptop. And Anna came into the room right now to turn on the light.
2: God bless her. She's doing the Lord's work. Oh, gonna, love that energy from Anna.
3: The it's going to get on. bright on my screen at one point, And then I'm just going to see Dan just go because the lights yeah. are back on him. But <laughs> uh, for fun. now, he's just still a black square in my laptop.
1: <laughs> the uh, light
2: is on. I'll tell you right now.
1: Yeah. So then Rusty calls Terry, um, on a cell phone that Danny had planted on Tess, um, and he tells him he's being robbed. Terry goes to the security center, figure out what's going on. You know, they can't. See I will say anything. this
2: part's cool. Yeah. this is cool. Okay. This see. is
1: where they basically they they show what happened. Um, so they they have all this video of them taking the money out, uh, of the bank vault in black duffel bags marked with X's. Um, they say that they split the money into two parts. One of it is all lined with, uh, explosives, and they. Terry needs to get the rest of it out for them. Um, and they they say that they're going to throw blow up all the money. Um, so then Terry calls 911 to get a SWAT team. Um, and he's like, fine, you could do it, whatever. I'll get all the money back anyway. Uh, that's my Andy Garcia impression, by the way. Wow, you could
0: have been so good.
2: Godfather 4. Honestly, I could have closed my eyes and it would have been like he was here.
1: It's me, it's Andy a- Garcia. Look with your eye and
2: a half. Wow! Come on, man. <laughs> so good. I uh,
3: I really dug. Every time I watch it, I always forget the whole like split the money mm-hmm. thing that they try and pull on um on Benedict, where it's like, all right, either you lose. I love the line: either you lose eighty million dollars privately, or you lose one hundred and sixty million dollars publicly. And right. I think that's a really cool kind of like dead man switch. Um, angle to that whole heist thing yeah um and the best part is going on
1: so terry goes down into the vault with the swat team uh to assess the damages and then he he yells for the swat team to leave the premises and he tells his men to take the money out of the vault um and they he gets news that they caught the van they shot all the tires out um but the van, it wasn't filled with money, just ads for prostitutes. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Classic for Vegas. Truly classic for Vegas.
3: going to be a lot of them there. So. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And then we see in a flashback that the men who were loading up the duffel bags in the vault was shot in the team's replica vault, which doesn't have the Bellagio logo on the floor,
2: Mm -hmm. And Terry
1: basically walked the team in to carry the money out, and they walk out with the money, easy as pie.
3: Right under his nose. Classic. The whole replica vault thing is really good because it's such a strange thing. Like, oh, because they even mention it like Mm -hmm. early on in the planning. It's like we got to get these vans, we got to get this, we got to make a replica of the vault. And you hear Rusty in voiceover go, "Oh, for practice." And then Danny again off screen. Perfect editing choice to not show them saying this. Just goes something like that. Mm-hmm. And then the, that's the last we ever really hear of it.
0: Yeah. Maybe we I, cut I feel like
3: back it's... once for the test where the the um, amazing yen does the, the flip, flip. Yeah. Which is sick. I think they show that maybe one time. You're like, oh, I guess that's why they made it to practice. And then. All comes back around. The whole, I mean, it's almost like a Brian De Palma movie. There's a lot of that kind of, like, what's real, what's not, are Mm -hmm. you looking closely, or, like, F for fake, like, that kind of, like, ooh, not everything you see on screen is exactly what's going on, which I fucking love when movies, like, will play little tricks on you. It's fun. It's fun. It's like magic.
1: Like, now you see me too.
3: (laughs) Other great heist films. (laughs) The the, the Oceans (laughs) films. The Now You See Me movies.
1: It's a duology, please.
3: Duology. Duology, respect it deserves. Funky word. Like, just say, like, pair.
1: Couplet. Tess, she's in her room watching uh, TV, and she gets a call to turn to a specific channel. Um,. On the channel is the room where Terry and Danny are having a conversation. Danny asks, Terry, would you be willing to give up Tess to have all your money back? And without hesitating, Terry says yes.
3: Cold Immediately.
2: Shady. Trash. Throw him out.
3: He's done, sis. Give him up.
1: And that's what she does julia roberts runs out as danny ocean is getting arrested um, for you know he's getting Vi- for, for he's violating, uh, violating, his, violating parole. his parole being yeah. a
3: casino outside state lines
1: yeah mm-hmm. and then she yeah, runs Billy out Jersey. they 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 kith um <laughs> yeah and their love has been rekindled love that and then the gang they go and watch the fountains at the bellagio and it's beautiful and i have tears in my eyes Beautiful I that.
2: God.
3: Just <laughs> incredible film.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We made it. Not yet. Almost. <laughs> oh,
3: fuck. We're only a third of the way through this beautiful three part.
1: We haven't even finished the movie yet. Three oh to six months later. Dave oh, you right. From prison.
3: I always forget this bit because I love the fountain sequence. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it is and a it's good ending that,
2: for this movie.
3: It's got that perfect like fountain shot there. Like they've all walked away and the music ends, and then, poof. and then if I was, um, you know, a movie de- uh, producer, that's one of those things where like you go full like Casablanca forties. Like you throw that the end title yes. card up there. You make that move. But he just, you know, got to have that one more tag.
1: Stevie Sodi, he don't act like that.
3: No, no, no. He don't play that.
1: Danny. Steven Soderbergh. Danny is. gets released from prison. Um, and Rusty comes to pick him, up, pick him up. Says, I have all your personal effects. Who's in the backseat? Tess. They drive off into the sunset. Being followed by Terry Benedict's men. And that's Ocean's Eleven.
2: We made it. For real this time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. I I mean... Anna, you, since you're the one with the differing opinion of the three of us. And I understand why you have the opinion. But just in your general thoughts after the movie.
2: There are parts that I really enjoy, like I told you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But it's just not... It's not one I gravitate to. There's nothing for me to connect with. Like, I don't know. And I feel silly saying that because, like, you know, I like to watch horror movies. What am I going to connect with there? The demon? Like. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, I guess this one's just kind of hard for me. It just doesn't have anything that pulls me personally in. Like, I do appreciate, like, it is a tight movie. It feels like it moves fast, but at the same time, it feels like we're going nowhere very fast okay Okay. um there's a lot happening but time isn't really passing and that kind of bugs me
3: well that's an interesting way of phrasing that because i know you said you're not much of a gambler Mm -hmm. but like danny ocean says casinos are like labyrinths they're meant to keep you in there there's a lot of noise there's a lot of light Mm -hmm. there's a lot of color it's moving quick there's a lot going on there's no windows. You have no idea how much time is passing.
2: Exactly. That's what this movie felt for me, except hey. it's like when you're on a losing slot machine.
3: That, yeah, your mileage may vary based yeah. on uh, <laughs> lady luck.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was now with luck be a lady tonight, <laughs> anyone. Um, oh, yeah. there.
3: Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> Snake heist.
2: Yes. Snake heist. Oh, no. Oh, I'm
1: ruined.
3: Oh, um. What a movie.
1: So, I... No, I'm going to save your thoughts, Riley, for last, because you definitely have the most. I've been sharing my thoughts almost all podcasts. But I'm I'm sure you got more.
2: Finalize quick and apologize to our guests that I'm such a curmudgeon about his favorite movie. I always feel so bad when I don't like the movie that the guest picks. I'm like, oh, I'm roasting him.
3: No, 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 you're not... You're not roasting me. And again, like you just there it just wasn't anything there that you really could gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. I've had movies like that where I've watched mm-hmm. it and I've just been like I even if the filmmaking was good where I'm just like I don't it's not that I like need like someone to root for even. It's just like yeah. I just like I just need something where I can like get in on. It. And I think a big mm-hmm. thing for me with movies, like I love big ensemble casts. Okay. Like I love Steven, uh, not Steven. I love, uh, I do love Steven Soderbergh movies. He does these a lot. But I love like Robert Altman and stuff where it's just like, or Paul Thomas Anderson, where he just throws great talent at you. Mm-hmm. Tarantino does it where it's just like every actor you're getting, even in like the tiny little bit parts, is yeah. just like a really interesting little performance, little memorable lines. Like just like the phrase that Casey Affleck has after his fake fight with Scott Kahn on the uh, casino floor where he's doing his balloon div- delivery, just him saying, "I'm just trying to deliver my balloons. And then the <laughs> slow that. smirk that Scott Kahn gets on his face, and he kind of like doubles over and he does his classic, like that con snickering kind of hyena laugh. And he just goes, <laughs> balloon boy balloon boy <laughs> i just love those little quirks and those little moments from like albeit not you know huge stars like scott con but like like the pardon like you stars. pardon you
1: that's the star of the final two seasons of entourage scott con yes, yeah entourage
2: again
3: scott con is hysterical in entourage he is one of the <laughs> highlights of that show Oh, God. But I I mean, I love just like having a lot of movie stars. I really like doing (laughs) fun movie star shit. And and although this has been levied as a criticism of a lot of contemporary movies, but I think in a different way, this felt very much like an amusement park ride. I got on and it showed me a lot of awesome stuff. It was moving quick. And I have a lot of fun memories of it. And I love doing it over and over again, even until I'm sick of it. I'll do it again and again. I think I I can't get tired of it. Whereas a lot of more, you know, mo- like amusement park filmmaking we get nowadays is just spectacle. There's not a lot of, like, really fine-tuned camera motion. The editing isn't as, I think, well thought out as what we see in this trilogy. And I even think that, like, the oceans movies, I think the they kind of peter out. I think that Ocean's Thirteen is the weakest of the trilogy, um, but I think Ocean's Twelve is the best. I think they build on each other, and it's a fun little cohesive world. But like, I get that it's not for everyone because mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, the Rick and Morty episode all about heists. Like a lot of it is like, oh and I God, was talking about it. It's funny, and I always thought It is that funny. I- a lot of that, um, the heist episode, you could apply to like superhero films now where it's like a lot of a like, rigid formula where it's like, oh, they're going to double cross us. They're like, oh, it was this guy all along. But, and I get like the heist, like I even said it earlier, it's like I hate when there's like a wrench thrown into it. You always know there's going to be some curveball and almost all of the time the people who are stealing the money end up either getting away with the money or some of it. <laughs> Or they die, which is a different kind of movie. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I just, I don't know what it is about them. It's just some kind of ineffable movie magic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, is—it is like, personal. I have a really nice connection to the film. I had a great time watching it with my friends the first time I saw it. Um, and it's just breezy. It's easy. It's like... Uh, I don't know. It's like, no, I don't want to say McDonald's because there's a lot more care. It's like eating pizza, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's a treat, you know, I sh- probably shouldn't have it every week, but invariably uh, I'm going to have a slice. I just, even if I watch the first 15 minutes of Oceans, just a little slice, mm-hmm. I get to Elliot taste. Gould by the pool. And then I'm like, all right, I saw Reuben. I saw my friend. I'm done.
2: <laughs> Got to touch base with your pals.
3: Oh God. MVP, uh, if I had to rank the all 11 in the crew, I won't because it's going to take too long. But <laughs> number one, with a bullet, write it down in permanent marker, Ruben Tishkoff. Like mm-hmm. line for line, scene for scene, I think he is my favorite in the entire series. I love him. Um,
1: you hit basically every point that I would have said. I, it's just like the vibes... To to be a to be a, a Zoomer, the vibes are immaculate, and these are eleven people, eight people. I'd want to hang out with.
3: It's it's a vibes movie. Yeah, it's like a hangout film. Even more, so... actually, not even more so. The fir- the old one. The
0: the old one is like, a hangout film. That's isn't. a
3: hangout film, but it's a hangout film made by just like a bunch of middle aged drunks. Yeah, this is like. Fucking actors, sexy
1: middle-aged, sexy tricks. guys like <laughs> Carl Reiner, <laughs> <and> Bernie Mac, <laughs> the guy who plays Linus, oh. all ja- James Conk.
2: Please address him by his correct name, Dan.
1: I was thinking the guy who plays Livingston, not Matt Damon. Oh, I was
2: say Linus is Matt Damon. <laughs>
1: uh so some trivia about the movie um so the rust uh, this is surprisingly for how long we've been recording this is the first time that i'm mentioning that rusty is eating in basically every scene of the movie Mm -hmm. um and that wasn't written in the script that was just something that brad pitt would do uh i love it on breaks so (laughs) steven soderbergh let him eat on camera um in the the scene where they're spying on Tess by the Staircase, Brad Pitt ate 40 shrimp. <laughs> oh,
2: that's really a lot. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. Um,
3: I love that character detail. Just like from the go, he's just snacking on stuff. Ru- Rusty, I think, kind of went under the radar, that whole discussion of the film, as like a really solid character performance from Brad, because he's like the cool, suave, sexy guy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time like he is like another sort of like almost like an operator mindset for that character Brad had played at that point. It's he's a lot more aware of like what he's doing. He seems a lot more confident because up until that point like in stuff like Spy Game like he was like the young buck, like he was the or like Legends of the Fall, like, he's like the rowdy young guy. Mm-hmm. In this like he seems a lot more Sure. He seems to like it's like one of his first like performances as like a real like man, man type character, which I, I I really dug. And I don't remember. I mean, I'm not a good poker player, but that scene at the start um, where he's like talking with all the, the teeny boppers and then eventually Danny about like how to play poker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Danny and Rusty take them all for a ride and just take their money. Um, I don't know anything about poker. Um, and I'm certain everyone who was playing, like, had really obvious tells and, like, were really bad players beyond just what was getting called out. And I would love to watch it with, like, a poker pro and see them break down, like, shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. But the two of them, like, Brad Pitt and Clooney, like, I've never been able to understand the rules of almost any card game except, like, Blackjack.
0: hmm hmm
3: but watching them in that scene, that's a really good thing. Like in Rounders, which is not as good a movie as this, but Rounders does this really well, where you're watching people play poker, and even if you have no idea what's going on, it's engaging. I think that's down to editing and performance. Same thing with like Queen's Gambit. I don't know shit about chess, but God, did I love watching that show because I just thought it was very well done in how it handled that sort of complex gaming in a like live action film setting. I thought it was just like just god. So good. Uh
1: so Steven Soderbergh originally wanted to make the movie in black and white, but the studio said they'd cut the budget if he did, so they didn't oh. let him do that. Fucking
3: uh, idiots at the studio. That would have been so cool.
1: Luke and Owen Wilson were considered for Virgil and Turk. Danny Glover was gonna be Frank, and Bill Murray was supposed to cameo as a lounge singer, but they were all busy making the Royal Tenenbaums bombs. Oh. Um, Whoa. The, the Cohen brothers were considered to play Virgil and Turk. Oh they, my. They
3: hate giving like interviews. Why I do you think they want to <laughs> be like characters? <laughs>
1: um The original ending for Oceans Eleven was Tess rejecting Danny after the heist. Uh. Love that.
3: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, they switched it to have a happier ending.
2: Yeah. Uh, I would have been very into the rejection, though. I would have loved to see that. Just saying. Mm-hmm.
3: That would have set up a real interesting dynamic for the rest. Or it could also have been would have a been a really
2: fun twist.
3: Could have been an easy way to write out Julia Roberts if you didn't want to get her back, which yeah. I don't know why you would want to. She's um, so good with Soderbergh.
1: And then in the first scene where we see Rusty and he is. Uh, in the parking lot, eating food, uh, leaning on a railing. He's actually facing a mural of Frank Sinatra, but they wanted to distance the movie from the 60s one, so they cut it out.
3: Interesting. Yeah,
1: and I I thought it was interesting that like that they wanted to distance it from the original one. Because I was like, you know, they could have had a, a surviving cast member just show up in, like a cameo or something, which is what they do with all reboot movies now. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, the whole Rat Pack was dead except for Joey Bishop.
2: Oh boy!
3: Well, you could have had Joey Bishop as the guy who recognizes Saul when he's in character as uh, yeah. Lyman Zerga. That would have been a cool little like throwback because Reiner was somewhat of that generation. He was younger then, but like um, that was, would have been. A I cool mean, little he was thing. basically
1: of that generation because he died this year at 98 or something oh
2: my goodness god bless him um
3: you could have gotten billy crystal um to do his sammy davis jr character (laughs) and then had him in character as sammy davis jr as a character Um, I'm certain that would have played well. Yeah, in That gone it sounds
2: like it would have aged super well.
3: It, you know what? It would have aged well from 2001, just as well as it did from like 2011 when he did that again, I think. At the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, yes. Everyone was just like, well, oh, I, we were just, he's still doing it. Okay.
1: Uh, Not okay,
3: but okay, go
1: ahead. <laughs> um, so that, that is all the trivia I have. Riley, who is your favorite actor?
3: Um I don't know I just think it's such a cliche I mean he's like my Twitter profile picture and he's a star of like a bunch of my favorite movies um Elliot Gould I think is just he's one of the, I mean they put it on the cover of Time magazine he was like a hip modern star for a very uptight age and that was before he had done. Like a bulk of his, like, really memorable work, even. Mm-hmm. Um, he broke out, um, he was a Broadway guy. He dated Barbara Streisand for mm-hmm. a while. Um, Love that. And then he really broke out in Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice, which is a great, great late 60s comedy and a really definitive sea change moment for, like, how adult comedies were oriented um, in Hollywood. The things you could talk about, the things you could show, and things you could, like, make movies about Mm -hmm. um and then he follows that up almost immediately with mash the mash movie with donald sutherland and robert altman and tom scarrett and his performance in that i think was like the next thing i saw of his afterwards like i was reading about um the new hollywood like the american new wave that whole like late 60s 70s filmmaking movement and I remember seeing like, oh, like MASH was a really big one. It was the first American film to say fuck, um, and the like New York Times hated it because it made fun of religion. It was really controversial, and it led into like a, a 12, 11 season TV show with Alan Alda, mm-hmm. which was which is so funny to like go back and watch the movie because it is absurdly over the line compared to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gould in that is just electric. After that, he does the long goodbye, which is if you like inherent vice or any of like the Humphrey Bogart, Sam Spade type of film noirs. long goodbye, I think is like one of the best films ever made. 1973, him and Altman, um, I think John Huston, uh, or no, someone else, another really famous old guy, maybe Alan Ladd or something, Mm -hmm. um as like the Ernest Hemingway, Orson Welles type. And it's just this great shaggy dog mystery. You kind of know who the suspects are, but you're just kind of drifting around, ambling aimlessly with Elliot Gould as this man out of time. He's like a fifties detective in the free love seventies. And he just sticks out like a sore thumb. He looks like shit. He's constantly getting beat up. It's, Just a masterpiece. And at the end, like, he just has this moment where he just kind of snaps. Not, like, fully goes berserk, but there's just, like, something that changes in his character where he just crosses a certain line. And it's so memorable. It's one of my favorite movie moments. And he's just, you know, he kind of, like, a lot of stars of his time, like, as the 70s wore on and the Renaissance boom kind of wore out. He, you know, had to take you know more money jobs that were less as inspired, but he still kept like he pops up in like Bugsy, uh, the Warren Beatty and a Benning movie, and a great performance in the '90s. Uh, any fans of Friends would recognize him as um, Ross's dad, just like the kind of like uh, bumbling guy, and then he like pops off again in the oceans trilogy. He's just like a really unsung MVP of them. Um, just peppering in a really delightful level of comedy mm-hmm. um, that I just think is very uniquely him, but also speaks to that generation of stars like him or Ryan O'Neill or Warren Beatty who are just charismatic and light on their feet in a way that didn't really last as much as like Jack Nicholson or Robert Redford did. Like they were a more fleeting hip kind of like George Siegel as well. Mm -hmm. And um, any fans of the oceans movies who like Ruben Tishkoff, who haven't seen um, California split by Robert Altman starring Elliot Gould and George Siegel from 1974. And it's just about these two degenerate gamblers who find each other and go on an unprecedented hot streak. Mm -hmm. They just, they keep winning. Um, they have ups and downs like all gamblers do, but it's just about that chase, the kind of addiction to it. Whereas not as much like the side effects or the consequences, but what that does to a person and how it changes, how they think, Mm -hmm. um, very loosely, not remade, but, um, very similar to the recent, um, ryan reynolds movie mississippi grind with uh, ben Mendelssohn. Mm-hmm. both of those really good would be a solid double feature um kind of pairing off of casino night here <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so that is the most in-depth answer that we've gotten of Ooh, who is yeah. your favorite actor the reason i Sorry. ask is because how we normally do is i ask would this movie be better worse, or worse than the same with insert your famous actor as insert one role. Um, so I guess my question for you, Riley, is would this movie be better, worse, or the same with Elliot Gould as Ruben Tishkoff?
3: Um, <laughs> I think I think that this certainly... Uh, this movie is certainly it is special to me and the love that I have for this series is really linked to finding gould's performance and then finding all these other stars like i wasn't it's this also was like the same year i saw ad astra Mm -hmm. and once upon a time in hollywood and i was like oh brad pitt's like back even though he had been doing really consistent work since (laughs) fucking oceans (laughs) movies and before
1: since the 90s
3: (laughs) yeah since like he started (laughs) but um i remember like it's just like it's because of the cast and it's because of this um Uh I guess an alternate answer to satisfy it would be, like, if Gould was the star, if he was Danny Ocean, and they made this in the 70s, um, kind of building uh, as, like, a, almost like a turnaround remake of the, uh, 60s one, I think it maybe could have been pretty cool if they did, like, a different take on it, um, you'd have to have the right director, otherwise mm-hmm. it would probably fall flat, just like the first one, mm-hmm. um, but you had a crop of talent back then especially with the old Hollywood guys still kind of puttering around before they started dying off um, that could have been cool having like a Jimmy Stewart in the Carl Reiner role would be kind of Damn. tight um, <laughs> but I don't want to sit here and then just like cast a hypothetical 1976 Oceans movie because I will <laughs> and it's already pretty late
1: <laughs> um Anna, would this movie be better, worse, or the same with Jonathan Taylor Thomas (laughs) as Linus? Hello, it's
2: me. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna keep Matt Damon. You know, he he's good in this. I'm sorry, this isn't this very in depth. Riley really. really Exploration of
1: Elliot Gold's entire career. I I
2: wish I could do the same, but. I'm going to just leave it at no. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: uh, and then would this movie be better or worse or the same with the bones of Jimmy Stewart?
2: The reanimated corpse. <laughs> uh,
1: in Carl Reiner's role as Saul Bloom. I It'd be worse. There is... Uh, um, I, I think with Saul Bloom, there is an intrinsic uh, old Jewish man yeah. To <laughs> the character that Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart has, um, old racist man vibes, honestly. Yeah, he doesn't old serve man. old Jewish man
2: yeah. vibes. I
3: feel like, uh, any scene, like there's those scenes like, you know, like Carl Reiner's characters are like kind of on the way out of the game. He's got mm-hmm. an ulcer now. Uh, there's like m- little moments where it seems like they're setting it up. Like he can't do this. Like he's a little too old. He's past his prime. And I feel like those moments were like, I think at one point Danny straight up asked him like, you know, All right, Saul, are you, think you're up for this. And then his response is fucking awesome. He's just like, Daniel, if you ask me that question again, you won't live to see the morning. Which <laughs> is <was just> like, <laughs> I feel like Stuart couldn't have had that sort of edge to the character, even though it's like this sweet old Carl Reiner grandpa guy. Like when he says that, part of me is just like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, he just got a problem. He's been around the block. If Stewart said that, he'd just be like, "All right, whatever, Grandpa." I wouldn't have the faith that I had in the Saul character. I'd have been like, "Oh no, Jimmy Stewart's gonna fuck this all up."
2: <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my
1: god! Uh, and Jeez, then, I,
3: I blew it for the for the gang. <laughs> that that's
1: that's it. I, I haven't heard a better Jimmy Stewart impression than that one.
2: It's not going to come from either of us. I'm yeah. right. just saying, Dan.
3: I'm not doing much more of it on record.
2: What?
1: what? Those, are, those are Terry Benedict's casinos, see? Um, Why would you want to rob Terry Benedict? You know him. He's, he's a
3: bad man. Wow. <laughs> Wow, that's, that's uh, <laughs> Mrs. foul from g uh, I know. Yeah. Don't
2: even say that. Gage calls me oh, Mrs. Fowl right. all the time. <laughs> I hate it here.
3: Uh, <laughs> two more weeks. Uh, <laughs> two more weeks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then uh, lastly, on a scale of one to five Don Cheadle's accent in the movie, no. What do you give it, Riley?
3: Um again and again, it's a it's a five star, five bagger, five Don Cheadles movie <laughs> for miss. me. Just a perfect picture. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
3: Uh I love it. I love it a lot.
1: <laughs> Anna, what
3: about Makes you? Me happy.
2: I'm sorry, Riley. It's a two
1: from me dog. Ooh, Ooh that's harsh. Yeah. Ooh, but I understand.
3: What's below a fifty? I-
2: <laughs> i like some parts of it that's why it's not lower <laughs> yeah
0: but it's, it. it's a
2: no for me dog it's not my favorite there's definitely movies i dislike more but didn't didn't thrive you know mm-hmm. it wasn't thriving two
3: stars not bad not great
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh and then i'm with you riley i give it five out of five it's so whoa fun.
2: y'all crazy <laughs>
1: It, I think it's the most rewatchable movie I've ever seen. Like, I could watch it any day and be totally... And that's like... I think Quiz Show is the most rewatchable movie. I'm the only one who thinks that. And this is more rewatchable than Quiz Show.
3: I gotta say, I've never rewatched Quiz Show. But Me either, Dan.
2: Just the one time with you.
3: Quiz Show is tight. That's a <laughs> good movie.
1: This, Quiz Show, and My Cousin Vinny. The three most rewatchable movies in the world.
3: I watched My Cousin Vinny for the first time, I think, like, earlier this year. It must have been, like, right after Christmas or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I was in tears. (laughs) I've I've... never seen it. Oh, it's so fun. It's delightful. It (laughs) really is. Because you think, like, oh, you probably know all the good bits just from, like, it getting referenced over and over and stuff in pop culture. Couldn't be further from the truth. Scott tons of layers. Like, I yeah. saw Die Hard for the first time around Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe maybe it wasn't around Christmas. Maybe it was after that and maybe I'm just associating it in my head. Um, but I remember being like, oh, I knew, like, almost all of this movie because of just cultural assimilation, just kind of getting bits of it. But um, it's completely not the case there.
1: Yeah. Um, well riley thank you for being with us this week
3: i Woo! am happy to be here and excited to return
1: uh, if you like in conclusion you can support us uh by following us on social media on facebook and twitter mm-hmm. at and in conclusion on instagram at in conclusion podcast we have a patreon patreon.com slash in where you can give us money <laughs> in exchange... Give us some money! ...for goods and services. Mm-hmm. Um, best way to support us is by spreading the word and telling your friends, getting them to listen. More listeners equals more fun and more people to give us money. Uh, if you want to <laughs> find me on the internet, you can find me on Twitter at dan o'keefe 86 or on my blog, dan com slash blog. Riley, it's your time. Where can they find you?
3: Uh, if you liked what I had to say... Or if you just think, hey, I really want to know what that insane person is thinking about every other hour of the day, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at GoodPostRiley, G-O-O-D-P-O-S-T-R-E-I-L-L-Y.
2: We love a spelled word. out Instagram, or Twitter, what a, oh my god, it's, it's too late for me.
3: It's my Twitter handle, I post about mostly movies uh also a lot of the time about uh the beatles uh and also my lunch just kind of the various thoughts i have through the day uh it's not a particularly professional space Uh, it's mostly just like a public diary uh almost like a log of me losing my mind on the internet in real time join us won't you
2: love that
1: and anna where can they find you
2: you can find me on instagram at Prime 818 or you can find me on twitter at autobots rollout Capital O for auto, Capital B for bots. Capital R for roll and the O in. Roll and the O in out R. What are they, Dan?
1: They are zeros. They are zeros. We will be back next week continuing our three-week prolonged torture of Anna with the second I, film.
2: I'll put on a smiley face, okay? I will be here cheering everyone on in a good mood.
3: The thing is, Ocean's 12 controversial this is a this is a teaser for next week
2: The hot take
3: is my favorite of the trilogy
2: Ooh, and in we my love opinion it.
3: possibly Soderbergh's second best film mm.
2: okay okay okay
3: and his best is not an Ocean's film
2: Ooh.
3: it's Chet I think I think that's an awesome movie
1: Uh, so tune in next week for Oceans 12 before I say my normal clothes happy birthday Anna I'll say it again happy
3: birthday
2: thank you it's me a Leo queen thank you Dan
3: crowd's going fucking nuts
2: they <laughs> better be yes bitch yes
1: so oh my we will be back God. next week with oceans 12 in the meantime everybody stay safe have fun and get vaccinated bye-bye
0: Yay! Bye.
2: oh this one trash